Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, brought to you by the amazing folks over at HypeBot.com. Thank Thank you you to Bruce and everybody over at HypeBot for everything you do every week to help out and support the podcast and the music music community in general. Um, So, Jay... We have a special guest joining us. We do have a special guest today, uh, Mark Tavern. Mark, welcome to uh, the show. Mark has his own management firm, which uh, we'll learn a little bit more about. And he's been around the industry for uh, over 20 years and has worked with some of the majors and has worked with a lot of great artists. Um, Welcome to the show, Mark. Um, One of the things that really brought you to our attention was uh, an article that you wrote that I really enjoyed called Blueface doesn't understand his record deal, do you, question mark. And I had included that in my kind of weekly curated list to artists and managers called Your Morning Coffee, and I got a lot of great feedback from that. And it's kind of a, an interesting theme. How did you come uh, to write that piece? You know, it's funny. It's something that totally um, struck a nerve for me and 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 always has in in what I've done in the in the music business, I just saw it, you know, I followed DJ Booth. Um, and you know, like everyone does, you scroll through Twitter and you try and find something that's interesting or catches your eye or whatever. And I saw the initial piece that they'd written and clicked through, watched the video. And, you know, like I think many people saw that kind of a gape, you know, like shocked Wait, you know, I mean the, the, the look on their faces, you know, and, and so I thought, you know, there's a piece there that, that I can write. I, I know that deal, you know, and, and, and I don't like that kind of deal. Or I don't like that kind of situation. And I definitely don't like um, the kind of attitude that you find where the, the artist is like, I don't know, somebody else is handling that for me. <laughs> I've, got, I've got that handled. And they, they may very well, right? Like that may be just them kind of blowing a little smoke. But... I sort of felt like in this situation, it, it betrayed a little bit more than that. And there's lots of um, confusion in the industry about the different kinds of terms they were talking about. And so I, I just wanted to set all of that straight. You know, so it, and, and, and it, it, it's a topic that Jay and I haven't fully done a show on, but it's come up so many times in various other conversations and episodes where we talk about, you know, educate yourself learn about your contract and and when you said you know you saw that and you were kind of shocked i'm thinking well at in one sense yes you're shocked but at the other side it's not that shocking because i think so many of us in the business just encounter this all the time mm-hmm. i think what's shocking is maybe somebody actually going on the record and saying that <laughs> as opposed yeah. to faking it and pretending they are all in control and they know everything which you know it you know it, it's it's rock and roll it's music you're supposed to project this image of power and I'm the chief and I know what I'm doing but the reality is when somebody comes right out and says I don't know you're sort of like whoa hats off for actually saying that but at the same time what do you mean you don't know how can you not know? <laughs> How can you not know? <laughs> it's so much more common than most people would ever imagine. And I work with clients, and I know Michael does too, from new developing artists that you've never heard of to people who are filling arenas. 
And it's a lot more common than people think it is. You know, I'll ask people, you know, well, let me back up. They'll talk about, you know, how much money they're making from, say, streaming or downloading or physical sales. And even the basic things of, well, the reason you don't make the kind of revenue that this other band makes on streaming is because these aren't controlled compositions or you've got five co-writers and you've got, of course, it's going to be diluted. You know, there's so many misconceptions about how the revenue flows, let alone the contract that they're signing and what they're responsible for, you know, regarding recoupment. Mm-hmm. Something I say something I say to my music business class is that the, the music business is in part what it is because it is so complicated. And just because you don't know about this particular aspect of it or because you you work in that particular aspect of it, in some ways you're insulated. And so I try and say to them, well, when, when you move into a different aspect of it, there's, there's an opportunity there for you to learn. You have to take that opportunity. Um, and you can't, you can't say, uh, you know, that, that you don't know. Um, and also, you know, because it is so confusing, it's easy to, it's easy to sort of not, not understand, right? It's easy for you to kind of take the position that like, I do this and I don't have to worry about those other things. They're being handled for me or it's, you know, outside of, you know, it's above my pay grade. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here, you know, here was an opportunity you know, as I try and take with my class to say, you have to go out and figure this stuff out. And, and that applies even in situations where you have a team around you because they, they may say things with the understanding that you, uh, you get the lingo. And if you don't get, if you don't get the lingo, you, you can't communicate with them. And so that's really important. You know, and, and, and let's be honest, you may also have a team around you that is omitting some information for whatever reason. I mean, I, I, I sometimes have to wonder how many times do there do we have to see a behind the music, another autobiography, another movie that reveals the truth behind something that everybody thought was amazing and you realize the, the artist is living in poverty, lost all their money, it was their manager who ended up with $10 million and the artist is in debt. You know, What's it going to take for musicians to to realize that that still happens, and that they have to they have to be involved. They have to ask the questions. They have, you know, it, it's no question is a stupid question. I mean, you know, our first grade teachers drilled that into you. If you've got a question, ask it because somebody else probably has the same question. No question is a dumb question. Mm-hmm. Yet. Mm-hmm. I think so many artists, as you said, kind of go, well, that's not my wheelhouse. I'm, I'm the guitar player. I got a guy I, handling that. I got a guitar player. I trust my accountant. Yeah. I uh, trust my business manager. I trust my what financial advisor. But if you don't know what they're doing, how can you adequately trust them, I guess? Right, right. I mean, what's it going to take to change that or is it just never is it just a is, is that a aspect of all business not just the music business that will always be there that's a really that's a really interesting question um the the way that i try and deal with it in my class is i say i, I want to give you just enough knowledge about this so that if the situation happens to you you know that you need to go get help 
you know, may, maybe that means that you email me on the side, maybe you have a team member, but there are sort of, you know, where are the true pressure points, where are the true pain points? Um, you mentioned um, controlled compositions, right? And that one, that is one that I think is really important, especially in, in hip hop, um, because the prevalence of samples and the uh, co-writes, and the co-writes, co yeah. the chance that the chance that there's a controlled composition in there that is also changing what your what your takeaway is going to be at the end of the day, if if you're involved in the track on a publishing basis, that's really important. Um, you know, another thing that I drill into their heads is, or I try and drill into their heads is, make sure that when you leave the session, you have an understanding of what your splits are going to be, because that that will determine what you get paid for the publishing. Right. And you right. don't want to you don't want to walk away from the session without having that sorted out because um, by leaving it up in the air, you create all kinds of opportunities for people to come back at you later and maybe get a bigger piece than they're due because they'll hold you up. Or maybe it means that you won't ever get paid. I mean, I've seen situations where sure. the um, the artist says, "I you know they didn't write." A, um, they didn't write the song originally. They came into the studio. Maybe they change a little bit of it. They ask for a piece of the publishing. The producer doesn't want to give it to them. And then they hold out. Yeah. And the producer's money gets held up. And yeah. they ultimately have to fold and give that, give that piece of publishing over to the artist so that they can close their deal and so that they can get paid. Yeah. It's, it's really hard for people, I think, that aren't immersed in this business to understand some of this jargon, but there's so many great resources out there. Um, we had uh, a guy on our uh, on our show. He's since passed away, sadly. Uh, Steve Gordon, who's written some really great books on the music industry, and one of them was the Eleven Contracts Every Artist Should Know. Mm -hmm. Right? There's so many great resources out there, and you know you don't even have to buy a book. You can look. There there are podcasts, there are classes, but some of the things that I I learned just every day you know i was talking to a royalties expert the other day who was explaining the difference between even when you list your track like you know jay gilbert featuring you know michael branvold or with michael branvold some of the, even that verbiage has financial implications and you need to kind of figure that stuff out before you start releasing these things especially in the hip-hop world where you know, having another artist on is so common, having multiple producers and everybody's going to want a split of that. And to your point at the beginning of what you were just saying, having that in the studio before that thing is even, you know, released, getting down like who's going to get what percentage, because when you go to release that, you have to enter that into various systems. Mm -hmm. Joe gets 25%. This guy gets that because they all have different, you know, PROs and publishing companies. And it sounds really complicated, but at the very bottom of it, it's really not. It's just having that conversation. Right. I think, I guess to go back and answer the initial question, which was how, how, how do we create an environment in which people in the music business can get this kind of education? Um, I think a big piece of that puzzle, as you say, like you don't necessarily need a book, you need time. And, and, and what I mean by that is you need the time to prepare. Um, you guys actually did a podcast a couple of weeks ago about the five things, the five things you need to do before your release. And, and um, I listened to that and I thought to myself, this is the kind of thing that I talk about all the time because 
you don't, as the artist, you don't, you don't think about those things until your record is done. <laughs> and then you're like, I want to put the record out. And then you feel this rush of, you know, well, it needs to come out right now because this right. is how it sound right now. This is hot right now. And the fact of the matter is that in order to, um, in order to prepare, you need four to six months. And I'll tell artists, you know, you need to honor all the work that you did in the studio by setting up your release so that it can be successful. And so I think a lot of that education simply comes as a matter of time. They don't necessarily, artists don't necessarily think about these things until they need to. And right. so the session is the first opportunity that they're going to think about what the song splits are. Um, it isn't until the songs are mastered and they have a sequence that they're going to start thinking about what their marketing plan is going to be like. The, the unfortunate thing, though, is that they need to be thinking about all of that a lot earlier Exactly. And in doing so, prepare themselves and get yeah. this kind of education. Wait, and, and, and you know what? I mean, you said, you know, they're in the session and that's when they start thinking about splits. I, I think we've also still got an issue where there's a lot of people who don't even understand you should be thinking about it. Hey, it's my buddy Jay. I've known him for 10 years. Yeah, what could go wrong? He said he'd love to come up and, and lay down the guitar solo on this track for me. Thanks, bud. You're doing it for free. I love you. Awesome. And then when that song gets released, maybe nobody says anything. And then a year later when, when um, I don't know, Toyota picks it up and puts it in a TV commercial that gets you $5 million, all of a sudden Jay's lawyer is going, wait a second. Right. They're using Jay's guitar solo on that Toyota commercial, and he didn't get paid for it, and you had you'd never thought about this. So... In, in a sense, you do need to surround yourself with a team because the, the team are the people who are going to say, well, you know, you and Jay, good buddies, but let's let's get something on paper right now to protect everybody. Yeah. But at the same time, I think what's intimidating to so many artists is simply the contract. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've seen, seen these contracts that are, you know, quarter inch thick, half inch thick, inches thick. And you get that in front of an artist, and they're just like, "Oh my, uh-uh, no! You just tell me where I got to sign, and and you know when am I getting a check?" When I think those of us who have been around contracts long enough know that I don't know, maybe ninety percent of that contract you don't really need to worry about. It's all that legalese, boilerplate, boilerplate yeah. stuff. There's always going to be an. <clears throat> an appendix in the end that's got all of the meat and potatoes in it, or there's going to be two or three clauses right up front that you just have to understand. I, you know, I've dealt with artists where it's as simple as, you know, we're, we're arguing about how much the record label is going to charge us for CDs that we want to turn around and sell. And we think it should be this and the art and the label is saying this. And I'm just like, let's just look at the contract. And sure enough, there's literally like a two-sentence clause right in there that says you're going to get charged $7 for a CD. Done. But you are so afraid to look at your contract. You don't know the real important stuff, like how yeah. much they'll reimburse you for videos, how much CDs are going to cost, what they can charge back to you. Yeah, what's you, recoupable? What's recoupable? You know, there's two or three important clauses that, if nothing else, the artist needs to go in 
and read those and understand those. And again, forget about the boilerplate. Forget about the, you know, what state would, you know, arbitration occur in if, you know, <laughs> don't worry about that, really. I mean, honestly, you don't need to worry about that right now. Make, make sure your lawyer understands it. But you, the artist, need to understand, you know, who's getting paid. And that is always outlined somewhere in the contract. Buried, yeah. buried somewhere, but there's one clause somewhere in one line. You know, I like to go through contracts and I just do a quick scan. And anytime I see a percent sign or a dollar sign, it's like, stop. Right. What does that mean? <laughs> what, what are we talking about right here? Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, understand yeah. it. I have a, um, I had someone, uh, an artist reach out to me just earlier today to say, I just, I just got a contract. Um, we take a look at it. And I thought like, this is a great opportunity. I'm glad they did it. Um, it's a, it's an opportunity to have someone take a look and explain to them what the deal is. Now I said, sure, I'd be happy to do that. This is you know how I would go about it. And I also said, you, you know, you should talk to an attorney. I can recommend someone. I'm not an attorney. So I'm not, I can't deal with the boilerplate, but I think that artists also need to understand that there's a deal that's being made there. It's not just a, it's not just the contract and the legalese and the boilerplate. It's who and what are you doing and, and what is the other side doing in exactly. return? Exactly. It's a deal. And, as you said, yeah. it's a deal and a deal is a negotiation. Yeah. Right. And so, so what I would hope to do in this case is, get a copy of this contract and take a look at it and say, this is what this means. This is what, this is what that means. This is what you're going to get paid. And then, you know, to think about the, the, the article, um, to think about the, the situation with Blueface, what is the actual implication? He's signing this contract and the entity that he's signing a contract with has another contract yep. that he's not party to yep. with another entity that is now going to affect his relationships going forward because his rights, the rights that he's giving away in the first deal are being, are then being given to another party in the second deal that he hasn't even signed. And so those kinds of things I think are, are really what is important. And that's what for me um, struck that nerve because there's this kind of myth of, well, you get signed to the label and you don't have to think about it anymore. Right. It's all taken care of. And yeah. in the music business, because of the way that rights are transferred, you can sell your rights to someone who can then turn around and sell those rights to someone else. And, and so that's what's happening here in, in essence. And all he's thinking is, I got a deal. I got signed. Right. And the implications of that are far broader. Yeah. Do you think that today, um, does it make sense for every artist to get that dream to get that uh record label you know it seems like throughout time you know the goal was we, we've got to get signed you know and once they get signed like all their problems are are over i mean with this new music business what do you think the chances are of maybe running your own label and just finding distribution or you know doing some of these things yourself i think that i think that there are lots of tools that exist for that and one of the things that I find really interesting about the, the, the new music business now, the one we're in, is that those tools exist and that if you want to make that, um, if, if you want to make that part of how you do business, you're totally free to. You don't have to, getting signed is, is not the only 
is not the only path forward for you. And in fact, the fact, the very fact that you don't have to do that anymore can actually be a negotiation. You know, I, I sort of feel that you know we grew up in a business in which uh, the A and R showed up at your show and was like, "Let's do a deal," and and you had no choice because you're, you're right. You had no. Was you the had only way. yeah. You had well, no other option. You had no mm -hmm. other option to do right. it yourself. Right. And now you can. And so now you can say, "Okay, well, what are you offering me?" And compare that. Take a take a breath. And yeah. find someone, get them on your team to look at your deal and say, well, what, how do you want to do this? Does this make yeah. sense? I, I think in the pop and hip hop world, there is still, um, there's still something to be said for that kind of traditional, uh, that traditional record deal. They can still provide some resources that you can't get otherwise. I think in other genres, or if you do want to own your own label, then it does make sense for you to consider. Well, let's talk about that for a quick second. A lot of people that I meet, don't know the difference between what a label does and what distribution does. Now, label services has changed uh, with this new music business. Let's talk a little bit about like if you're advising an artist and they're they're telling you, you know, should I sign with a major label? Should I sign with an indie? Should I do my own thing? What kind of things do you think a, a label can do for them? It I think it depends a little bit by genre. Um, you know, if you're okay. if you're in the jazz business. Um, you know, signing with a label that it's the, with a big, you know, promotion department probably doesn't make sense because your records aren't going to get played on the radio. And so you don't, you don't need to have that as part of your, as part of your overall plan. Not on pop radio, but on right. jazz radio, of course. Right. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, so, so that's, so that's one thing. And then I think that, um, I think that you also, um, you need to consider, you need to consider where that label, um, where that label has distribution, and how you intend to use them. Um, if you're in, you know, back to the jazz business for a sec, there's still there's still an amount of physical product that is being moved in the jazz business, yeah. more so than in 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 the, in the pop and hip hop. Um, so having having distribution there is physical. really helpful. Yeah. Because they're actually moving your physical product around, something that a pop artist maybe doesn't need as much. That's not to say that um, they don't need the distribution, but that your need for it is different in some way. And so right. you have to think about, well, how does this label? How does this label help me? How do they enhance what I'm doing? And the label is thinking the same thing. The label is looking at the artist, saying, what do they bring to this? And also, who's on their team? And can we can we rely on their team to deliver the kinds of things that we need so that so that we can distribute this record properly? You know, I I think what's so important is as we already touched on, it's a deal and it's a negotiation. And artists shouldn't be so blinded by the fact that somebody's interested and just taking what's given to them because mm -hmm. oh my God, nobody else is knocking on my door so I got to take what I can get here when the reality is you need to you need to find out a clear you know I, I always talk about it in this form you know get that one page deal memo that has none of the boilerplate it's got mm -hmm. all the meat and potatoes what are they doing and what do they want you to do and what understand are you responsible for? what understand yeah. those two sides of it and with that you can sit down and go okay they're actually not going to do anything I need them to do. 
So is it worth yeah. giving away yeah. something financially and over years to somebody? Or I they might sit, or, or they may yeah. go, you know what? They're doing the two things that I can't do myself. I can't print up vinyl and CDs because I can't afford it, and I can't get it into the stores. Mm-hmm. They can do that. That's worth it to me. But yeah. it's, an, it's a negotiation. You go back and forth, and you ask for it in return. And, and, and to your point about, you know, maybe you start on your own, it can, that can give you leverage in a negotiation. Meaning you are not in a desperate situation because you're sort of, you know, and I, I, I've advised artists. I'm like, you know what? We're going at this all on our own. And if while we're doing it, somebody comes knocking on the door, you take that call and you take the meeting and you discuss it with them. But otherwise, you're doing this on your own because yeah. maybe a year from now, you've been able to do something significantly and great with your release. Moving X amount of units or doing something that was impressive enough. That a label goes, wow, you know. You, Maybe you, you get a better you, label. You, 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 <laughs> you've actually done a bunch of our work for us, and we yeah. appreciate that because, as we all know, staff is small, budgets are small, and, if, and, and, and labels don't want to necessarily do something from scratch. They want it right. ready to go. And I that, think that that's a- And that gives, that gives you, the artist, a little more negotiating power to go, oh, so you came to me, you're interested in me. Here's the deal. I don't really have to use you, but I do like what you've got in your offer. But can you sweeten it a little? Can you drop the percent? Can can you drop the cost of goods to me? Can you up the percentages? You know, and and sometimes that's all it takes is, yeah, you know, you'll get we'll 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 go from two percent to five percent on something for you, or you know, a, a clearer understanding of how you're making your money through the label, which. I think at the end is what Jay and I have always talked about, especially in this day and age of of streaming and Spotify. You know, a week doesn't go by that there's some artist who's crying, I'm not making any money. And, you know, the question is, well, do you know who's making the money? Because somebody right. sure is. Mm-hmm. There yeah. is money out there. It's just not, you know, it's not trickling down to you. So what's your contract? Who's getting paid? Yeah. Who's keeping it? Yeah. And how are they deciding when to pay you? Those are things right. that, you know, as an artist, you need to have the power to negotiate and discuss. And there's no easy answer. I mean, I have one client that was doing really well independently, got signed by a very well-known major, and languished. They weren't made a priority. The show started drying up, and it actually hurt them, and they finally got out of the deal. Um, so just because you're signed doesn't mean that your your world is all going to be great, but it works. You can't say every situation is the same. There are folks that sign with a major that have a great deal of success because they understand what the label's strengths are. The label gets their genre. They get what they're trying to achieve. The timing is right. You know, there, there are a lot of factors that go into labels, but I think this whole conversation kind of comes down to some simple points, one of them being... Whether you choose a major or an indie or to do it yourself, there's still going to be people that you're working with, that you're recording with, that you're, you might sign a, somebody for PR or sync or, or whatever. All of these things, you have to have an agreement in place and have that conversation up front. Otherwise, bad things happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think um, what you just said about having other people working with you is really important. Um, 
you know, we talk about DIY, but I think that I think that it's really easy for um, for the idea in that that gets lost is that you don't have to do it all yourself. Um, you have to delegate the parts of it that you don't um, you don't feel comfortable with, or that maybe aren't in your wheelhouse, or you know, in the case of an attorney, you're not trained to do. That is a hundred percent okay. Um, and in fact, what that does is it frees you up uh, and gives you opportunities to do other things. You know, ideally, the things that you want to do. Yeah, uh, yeah. You have to develop a team that responds well and takes direction well and can communicate well. Um, but but you don't have to feel that pressure to do it all on your own. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other thing, just to follow up and say, you know, there's this, the idea that if you, you uh, you don't um, you don't get it if you don't ask for it. I think that you know the contract gets put in front of an artist and they're like, I have to sign it because otherwise the deal's going to go away. Yeah, exactly. Right. If if I ask for any change to this, they're going to get so pissed they're going to tell me to take a hike. Right, right. But Michael, and, you said it best. I mean, all of these things are a negotiation. All of them. Anything that you're striking a deal, whether it's with a, a venue, you know, whether it's with a partner, whether it's with a label and distribution, it's all this conversation. You never just take that original contract and go yes or no. I mean, you know, it's not binary. You know, it's all about the negotiation. It, 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 it's funny that you know this reminds me. I, I wrote an ebook years ago. I, I worked with Kiss for a number of years, and I wrote a book. You know, the the lessons I learned working with Kiss, mm -hmm. basically. And one of them was just that you've you've got to ask. And one of the stories I share was back in ninety five, ninety six, when Kiss was getting ready to do their reunion tour. You know, there was a story going around that Gene Simmons would go into a room full of of promoters, and you know, the promoters would be like, "Well, what do you want? What do you? How much do you want from us for this Kiss reunion tour?" And he, you know piece of paper across the table 10 million dollars oh you're freaking out of your mind you know we'll give you half that whatever and 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 the point is why does he ask for so much that's just astrono astronomical that nobody in their right mind would give because one day one person will take it sight unseen and give him that check for 10 million dollars and why wouldn't he take it then <laughs> the point of a negotiation is whoever's giving you that first offer if they are good at what they're doing, they are doubling, tripling what they're willing to accept because they know a negotiation whittles down to somewhere in the middle. Right. And that's yeah. that's what you've got to understand. If they've already given you a contract, they're willing to negotiate. They've already spent money yeah. on lawyers drawing this up. They've had internal meetings of, of your worth and your value to the label or the distribution company. They 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 want you. It's now just That's agreeing right. to the terms. And again, don't be that person that just accepts the first term presented to you because you're giving them the gold mine that they would love to give. But trust me, they're not. Yeah. That's not what they're willing to take. They're willing to take a lot less. Yeah, and they know exactly. Yeah, and if you have an attorney, yeah, exactly. Well, I was just going to say if clearly you're not going to negotiate a contract uh, completely by yourself. But that that kind of deal memo or kind of a one-page executive summary that Michael alluded to, that can get you 
uh, halfway there. Yes, you know, eventually you're going to have to have an experienced music business attorney who's going to be able to say to you, look, I've done a bunch of these. I would never sign this part right here. And this is the part where you can negotiate. I was working with an attorney last week, and he basically showed me these three places. These are the three areas you can negotiate. The rest of them, they're not going to budge because I've had 20 you know, artists through this distribution company, and I'm telling you, those are deal breakers. But these three, I would push a little bit on this. You probably won't get that. That's worth its weight in gold. But every time you do this, you're going to learn a little bit more, a little bit more. You know, It's, it's a learning process. Mm-hmm. Something I would say in general is that you know we're talking about this situation in which this this mystical contract kind of gets thrown on the table um <laughs> this kind of cinderella sort of situation and it it's very out of context and you know it strikes me that what's part of the reason why it's difficult to kind of answer these questions as an artist is because you don't have the context and you get that context by figuring out what your goals are and looking at a long-term plan there you go. saying, well, you know, we just got this contract. Does this actually help us execute what we said at the beginning of the year we were going to try and do? I mean, um, if, 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 you're, if your goal is you want to get out and tour the U.S. and your contract explicitly says zero tour support, that's <laughs> right. not going to help you achieve your goal, and it's only going to get you pissed when you finally are ready to book your tour and you go ask them for support, and they go, no, it's not in the contract. You signed it. Yeah. Right. But I thought, you know. And I think a lot of that just has to do with the fact that the artist, you know, back to, the, you know, back to our, what we were talking about originally, the artist has to take a certain amount of responsibility for their, for their own career, their own direction, yeah. and say, this is what I want to do with my music. This is what I want to do with my career. How do I get to that spot? Yeah. What, yeah. what, what people do I have to hire? Um, when does my release have to happen? How do you put all of these little pieces together to create that? You know, it's just in, in, in marketing would be the story. Um, right. And, right. and in the individual, it's, it's their entire career. You know, we asked two questions of basically every artist I've ever worked with. You know, what's the narrative? What's the vision? The narrative is that story you just mentioned. You know, why should anybody care about this release? There's there's a story behind it. I want to know what that is because that's what PR is going to run with. We're all going to be on the same page. But more importantly, the second part is the vision, which is basically what are your goals? Because everybody has different goals. You know, is it accolades? Is it, as Michael mentioned, just getting out on the road and putting butts in the seats? Is it, you know, getting sync, you know, getting placement in film, TV, you know, whatever? Everybody has their different goals. And then I think the, if you don't take anything away, if you take one thing away from this conversation, it's that planning is so important to sit down and go, okay, I'm going to put out a track, I'm going to put out an EP, I'm going to put out an album, I'm going to get ready to tour way far in advance, start putting together your team and start thinking about your goals and start putting all these things in place into a plan. And then, you know, if you don't know record company contracts, that's okay. Find somebody who does that can sit you down and, you know, educate you. I I think it's important to say, though, that planning and understanding your narrative and your vision and your goals has to happen before you sign the contract. Yeah. Because you can take that narrative and that vision and that can become part of what you're trying to negotiate and bargain for. That's a hey, great point. I, I don't want to use the average run-of-the-mill rock publicist. I want to use a mainstream media 
publicist who can get me, you know, talk shows and, and magazines or what whatever. And you can negotiate that up front specifically into a deal. The problem is if you sign the contract first and then you sit down and discuss your narrative and your vision with the label, you don't have any, there's no way you're going to move anything because they, they agreed to what has been signed and that's what you've got to work with. And therefore, you're using the publicist that they hire, not the publicist that you hire, which you might have been able to negotiate them splitting the cost on. Some, you know, it has to be thought of up front before the before yeah. your name goes signs that contract. Because once it's signed, it's too late. Nothing yeah. changes. You've got to do it before the contract gets signed. Yeah, yeah. that's good advice. Yeah. Yeah. You just you have to you just have to have an understanding of where you want to go because that's what's going to direct every other decision that you make, and and that doesn't mean that you're not going to be flexible that that you're locked in. It just means that you have to stop for a moment and say, well, is this thing that's just presented um, been presented to us? Does this further what we wanted to do? If it does, then you can figure out how to adopt it in your you know into your goals. And if yep. it doesn't. And it gives you a really good reason to say, you know what? No, maybe next time. Right. Now, that is working for us now. There's that old analogy, you know, when you walk in to buy a car, you got to be willing to walk out not buying a car as well. Yeah. I mean, if if you're not willing to walk out, you've got no negotiation power. None what's. You've got to be willing to leave the table and say, I'm not signing this deal. Yeah. 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 And, and once you do that, to your point, you have a lot of power. Um, I used to work with this guy, uh, Will Owsley, um, who has sadly since passed away. But when he was working on his deal, he went and met with Doug Morris. And Doug Morris wanted to ha- uh, sign him. And he said, you know, I think this is really great. Um, I just would like you to re-record a couple of these songs and have some some uh, things changed. And he said, you know, I'll do respect, sir, but I recorded every note on that album, and it's perfect just the way it is. And he walked away from that deal and ended up signing with a different record label that would allow him to release what he wanted to release. Your point is is spot on. You have to be able to walk away. Otherwise, you're just going to sign whatever's put in front of you. Yep. So, Mark, where can people find you online? Where can they learn more about you? What do you got? What are you working on? So, um, obviously, I teach. I'm teaching music business. I do a little artist management, and I do some consulting. Um, I'm beginning to launch a series of eBooks. So, if you if you go to my website, it's marktavern.com. Um, there's now um, an offer for an eBook uh, about how to increase your streams and listens on Spotify. I think it's a question that everyone is everyone mm-hmm. is asking. Um, and something that I wanted to try and add to the arsenal of things that you know that that I do. Um, so so that in a nutshell is uh, is what I've been working on. Yeah, I actually read that. You know, it's something Michael and I talk about a lot. And I thought, you know, you you've got some very sound advice there, especially the part where you're talking about being very careful with pay for play. Um, I know a lot of young indie artists who fall into that trap, and one of them who used, <laughs> recently got his music pulled off of Spotify for it. But I digress. Anyway, I, I can uh, I recommend that. It was a, a very good read. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Mark, this was, this was awesome. It's, it's just, you know, it's so important. You just got to educate yourself. It, it, it's almost, 
it can almost be guaranteed. If you don't educate yourself, if you don't know what you're signing, it will come back to hurt you. It might not be a month from now. It might be 10 years from now. But it's going to bite you in the ass at some point in time because you didn't realize you signed something. Yep. You don't want to find out after the fact. So if you have the opportunity, (laughs) you have the opportunity to ask someone and just say, hey, what does this mean? It, 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 It always ends up biting you when the money starts coming in. Because mm-hmm. that's yeah. when people start caring that they did the oh, work yeah. for you for free, and now they want fair compensation for it. It's always about it, the money. It's always about the money. When nobody's making money, nobody's going to be enforcing contracts mm-hmm. yeah. or worrying Funny about what works. my split was. But as soon, yeah. as, soon, as soon as your buddy hears that commercial, <laughs> and it's like, dang, that's that's my hey, that's my you're making money. There. I want to make money. <laughs> Mark, great talking with you. Thanks for joining Thanks, us guys. today. Really appreciate it. Thanks Thank you, Mark. Take care. Okay. All right. Take care. Uh, great conversation with Mark. Just, again, yeah. great insight. And, you know, I don't know if there's anything more that, that we need to say that we didn't stress. Educate right. yourself. Learn yeah. about your contracts. There is, there is no excuse for any artist to sit there and say, I don't know. Somebody else is right. taking care of it. Right. There's lots of resources out there. You know, we talked about the 11 contracts book, which is good. But if you haven't read it already, the title of the article, it came out February 8th, is Blueface Doesn't Understand His Record Deal. Do you? Question mark. And I read it a couple of times. It was fascinating because we bump into people all the time who don't understand certain aspects of the business. And that's fine. That's what we do. We're paid to help people um, bring their product to market. But when someone is something as large and so important as a record company contract and they're like, ah, I don't know what's in it, uh, you know, whatever, that, they take care of that. Or, or you, you know, know the, the, that my the, heart races. Yeah, the, the situation of you sign a deal with somebody else who turns around and takes your deal and signs it off to somebody else. Did you even yeah. know that somebody did that to you? Or that they could do that, that they to could you. do that to you or yeah. that, you know. Uh, you know, do you, you know, should you have put something in your contract that gives you the right to not have your contract transferred? Yeah. Or maybe you get to be the first, you get right of first refusal I mean, that the, if they're going to sell it, the, you got a shot to there, buy it there, back there's, or there's, give it to a different There's partner. so many interesting little clauses. I mean, like yeah. the one that oh, I always gosh. love is the key man clause. Yeah. You yeah, know, that's a great one. That, that's a great yeah. clause and, and it'll surprise artists. But, you I've know, got, there's, a, there's yeah. a lot of record deals out there with major artists who signed a deal with a record label and somewhere in there is a key man clause that says if the president of the label ever leaves or if my A&R guy ever leaves we leave yeah. yeah we leave you don't have us under contract anymore that's they they trust that one person so much that if that person isn't there the contract becomes void right. you know yeah, that super. takes a lot of clout to put you you as the artist have to have a lot of clout to insert that but yeah. it's just an example. It's a negotiation. Of, it's right? a negotiation. It's the things you can put in to protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right. That's it. Right. Music Biz Weekly Go podcast. Visit Hypebot. Visit Hypebot. We're out of here. We'll see you next week.